Hi, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell, and we're the hosts of Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we discuss, appreciate, and delve too deep into the Lord of the Rings Extended Editions, one minute at a time. You know there's a Balrog down there, right? It'll be fine. (laughs) Have you ever wondered about Hobbit economy or how wizards get their mail? Are you also in awe of Hugo Weaving's eyebrows? Then join us every Monday through Friday on our mission, quest, thing, only on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre everyone and welcome to the protagonist podcast where each week we look at a great character in a great story i'm joe dorowski and i'm todd mack and this week we're discussing raj mira veer and ishita from the film dilwale which uh this film is something crazy listeners if if you are on something else with dilwale uh as i was not this was a suggestion from todd uh i i I don't know you tried to warn us that this was going to be um like a genre mashup film where like, if you can, I think you described it as Avengers infinity war brings all the Marvel heroes together. Diwali brings all the genres, all the genres together into one. And uh, I think that's fairly accurate. If you want an action film, watch Diwali. If you want slapstick comedy, watch Diwali. If you want a romantic comedy, watch Diwali. If you want uh, Romeo and Juliet, watch Diwali. If you want music videos, if you want music, music videos, watch Diwali. Yeah, got not just Romeo and Juliet, a little much ado. Uh, oh, yeah. Two gentlemen of Verona action as well <laughs> here and there. Yes, it's uh, it's got pretty much everything. Well, to try and give a little more context, uh, Dilwale is a 2015 Bollywood film that was written by Eunice Saja- uh, Sajawal. And I'm going to apologize now for any mispronunciations that happen as I do this. It was written by Eunice uh, Sajawal, Farhad Samji, and Sajid. Just had one name for that one. And it was directed by Rohit Shetty. And it stars Shah Rukh Khan uh, as Raj slash Kali. And that'll make more sense when we get to the long summary. Um, He's kind of got two roles there. Uh, Kajal uh, stars as Mira. Varun Dawan stars as Veer. And Kriti Sanan stars as Ishita. Uh, and it tells the st- uh, an action romance story of Veer, who is in love with Ishita. But Veer's older brother, Raj, has a past with Ishita's older sister, Mira. And there are complications. <laughs> <laughs> How is that for a one-sentence oh, yes. summary of this film? <laughs> there are complications. <laughs> Um, so for how we how we came to this, uh, we had put on at some point on our schedule, we just said we should do a Bollywood film and we'd left it at that. We never identified what Bollywood film we were going to do. And it had been kind of kicked down the road as we got patron requests um, or other people suggested other films. But finally, this is the week where we're doing a Bollywood film. And Todd, you are the one who chose this Bollywood film. And the, the, today was my first time watching it in preparation for this recording. So, Todd, why don't you tell us why you chose this one? So I started watching Bollywood films, I don't know, maybe five or seven years ago or something. I feel like I watch maybe one a year. Uh, (laughs) And I think every Bollywood film that I have seen has Shah Rukh Khan in it. He is, (laughs) 
he is a um he is a superstar he is a workhorce he's one of the most produces films film stars in the world i i recognize his name having never watched bollywood films yeah Um, he's like the rock of bollywood oh yeah absolutely i think the only the only bollywood film that i um that I have seen that he is not in is Lagan, which is a, a, a really cool uh, film that we should talk about someday. Um, it's uh, it's about cricket, um, not crickets, the insects, but cricket, the sport, and uh, it's pretty great. But it doesn't have Shah Rukh Khan in it, and I th- I figured if we're gonna for our first film, we've got to do something with him in it. Uh, I think my favorite film that he's in is called Rob Nebane Di Jodi, and. It's uh, it's pretty glorious. It's he's like a total nerd, and um, his boss, like on his uh, deathbed, uh, makes him promise that he will marry his daughter so that he can take care of him. So he's like this nerdy computer guy, and he has to marry this beautiful daughter of his now dead boss, and they're not in love with each other. And so he goes to take dancing lessons to learn how to be cool, and then he becomes super cool. And he lives like this double life. And then she kind of like falls in love with the cool him. And every night he goes home and he's like lame him. It's really, anyway, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Was, uh, uh, his love is just played by Kajol. Cause I saw that they had started, I think seven films together. I don't know if she's in, let's see, Rob, Bana, D, Jody. As I was looking up trivia on this, I came across one review that referred to Shah Rukh Khan and Kajol's um, chemistry as simmering. Which simmering? I thought, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was a good description. Um, let's see. Stars. Um, hmm, no, it stars Anushka Sharma. Anushka Sharma. Good yes. old Anushka. Yes. Uh, it's it's really good, uh, but that's no longer on Netflix. Um, but Diwale is. I watched it. I don't know, maybe six months ago, and thought this is the craziest movie I have ever seen. We have we have to talk about it sometime. So uh, I'm really glad that we're that we're here now. I cannot yeah, wait I- to give this summary. <laughs> <laughs> um, we said we were going to do a Bollywood. I haven't seen very much Bollywood. Probably only two films before this that I can think of. Uh, and this, even within the the often kind of heightened uh, tone that I associate with Bollywood, this just kicked it all up to 11. <laughs> um, everything was a little bigger, a little brighter in Dilwale. Um, the, the term that I sort of associated with it was uh, this film is extra, which just means like what you said, it's kicked up to 11. It's just for almost no reason at all. It's just ramped up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they had a they had plenty of budget for this film. Like they I don't must feel like have. They, I don't feel like they cut any corners anywhere. They just well, went. I, I read a little bit in the trivia about their budget. Okay. And uh, just a note for any first time listeners who are coming because they were looking for a podcast talking about a Bollywood film. Our producer Andrew is the third voice that you see uh, or you hear. Sorry, not see uh, that you can hear popping in in the background every now and then. I really liked this movie, so I'm going to chime in a lot. Yes. <laughs> You are welcome to. All right. uh, Some trivia about Diwali. The title Diwali is translated to English as the big hearted, which I feel like if we played a game on this podcast at some point where we're given titles and we had to write a summary, 
and we were given the title The Big Hearted, neither of us come up with anything close no. <laughs> to to this plot. <laughs> Although I bet we could both come up with something that would be pretty great based on our uh, yeah. our on our anime uh, <laughs> skills. I feel like we yeah. did pretty well on that one. All right, well, this is our first Bollywood film that we've talked about, so some info about Bollywood. Bollywood is probably more accurately called Hindi cinema, uh, which is the Hindi language film industry based in Mumbai, India. Uh, Mumbai was named Bombay until 1995, and because of that, uh, people gave the portmanteau of uh, Bombay and Hollywood into Bollywood. And I do love a good portmanteau, even one that is no longer accurate because the city changed its name in 1995. (laughs) Um, Indian cinema as a whole is the largest film industry in the world so Bollywood is a subset of the larger Indian cinema again it's the Hindi language side of it Uh, but Indian cinema as a whole is the largest of the world according to some estimates Indian films sell 3.6 billion tickets a year compared to Hollywood's 2.6 billion uh, tickets a year not dollars but tickets and uh, some trivia about Shah Rukh Khan or SRK as he is known and as I think we should just call him from here on out i think we're familiar enough that he's just srk to us okay Uh, he's a very big deal (laughs) um he is sometimes called king khan or the king of bollywood he is easily one of the biggest film stars in the world even though american audiences are largely unfamiliar with his work uh, he has made over 80 bollywood films with his career beginning in 1982 uh i think or was it 92 now i'm gonna have to go double check that in a moment uh but he is very philanthropic and he has many business ventures. And in 2008, Newsweek named him one of the 50 most powerful people in the world. Wow. Which, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're up there when you're even being considered for that list. I don't think I was on the short list. In <laughs> no, I can't, can't imagine either of us were. Uh, the actress Kajol, um, who is his love interest in this film, she's also extremely popular and successful, and she's made seven films with SRK. Uh, the film's box office in India was a little disappointing from the uh, what I looked up, but it was very successful overseas and enough so that it is SRK's second highest grossing film of his large library of films. And one of the musical numbers, the one shot in Ireland, was reportedly the most expensive song shoot ever for a Bollywood film. So they just call it the most expensive Bollywood musical number ever. But it remains popular, and the video on YouTube has over 200 million views. And I think it was, uh, I, I think the number I saw was download, uh, 100 million downloads. It was the fastest uh, Bollywood song to go to 100 million downloads. Um, and some of the stunning locations are filmed in Iceland and Bulgaria. And this, uh, from what I could find, was not beloved by critics. It only has a 22% score on Rotten Tomatoes, but that was with only nine critics reviewing the film. So it's a pretty small sample size to get to the 22% there. Hmm. I I feel like you just have to be a curmudgeon to not like this film. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, it's, some of it is going to be what expectations or- are you going on? Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the best film, like like a, a Oscar-nominated best picture? This probably isn't going to be it. But if you're looking to go have a good time, I think this is going to check a lot of the boxes. I think you must either be a curmudgeon or have a very small bladder to not like this film. Because <laughs> it, it is, is long. long. <laughs> yeah, it's long. Okay, I was just double-checked it. Uh, SRK may, uh, began in television in the 1980s, but his Bollywood debut was 1992. So I think that's why I made a little mistake in the trivia there. So okay. correction for the trivia. Noted. 
All right, Todd, you have the long summary and it's going to take a little bit of time. So uh, I'll take this ad read real quick. Before we move on to that summary, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for downloading this episode and listening. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers. All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And now, Todd, will you take it away for the long summary of the film Dilwale? Yes. Um, I want to just make one opening statement, which is no amount of description that I could give could possibly come close to doing justice to the visual splendor of this film Uh, and the pastiche that it is. I mean, it is so many different things in one. Um, I'll try to give you a sense of that, but really you just have to, you just have to watch it. And they do a fantastic job, like denoting this with lighting, with camera angles, with music. Like they are using all, all the film tricks to let you know when you need to be stepping into a certain mindset mindset. Yep. Yep. Okay. So opening credits, we get these images of Raj who's played by SRK and uh, he's in a, in a firefight, like, like a, like a gangster fight uh, and he's shot and then he wakes up in a cold sweat and he goes outside to this amazing patio on this, in this beautiful mansion that's full of amazing cars and he greets some friends and he sits down uh, with, uh, with them for coffee and one of his friends notes that Raj looks sad and he tells him that the incident that Raj is obviously remembering happened 15 years ago. So he's Raj, don't worry. That happened 15 years ago. But we don't know what that possibly could have been, except maybe it was him getting shot. Uh, so then uh, they see a man getting beaten in the street. They run over to help him. And it turns out that this guy, his name is Mani, uh, he had robbed a phone. And when they ask him about it, he says that he did it to help his little brother. And Raj tells him he should work. But the guy, uh, but Monty tells him that he is, he's a good for nothing. He says, I'm a good for nothing. I can't really work. Um, and Raj gives him a ton of money and says, uh, come back whenever you need more money. So Raj seems like a nice guy looking out for the little guy. Uh, then we cut to Veer, who is Raj's little brother. And he and his friend are taking a joyride in this souped up BMW. And think, uh, think Fast and Furious cars. Lots of Fast and Furious cars in this, uh, in this film. So the friend, his name is Sidu, and he's concerned about them maybe damaging this car. But Veer says, don't worry, don't worry, I've got this under control. And they, they go on this, uh, on this little like island thing, and they spin around this statue of Jesus, uh, almost falling off the edge uh, into, uh, uh, like off this cliff into water. But don't worry, he's a really good driver. And, uh, and then they're, they're driving through the streets of town, and Veer sees a super pretty girl. And as luck as had it, would have it, she needs a ride. But Sidu tells Veer they can't stop for her because they have to get back uh, back to the garage. Um, and then Veer tricks Sidu uh, into getting out of the car to go pee. And then he drives back to get the girl. And uh, her name is Ishita. And her scooter is broken. So Veer gives her a ride. And they get stuck in traffic. And she says, oh, I'm, I'm really in a hurry because I've got to get this paper turned in that I've written. So uh, she puts her hand on his arm and that uh, turns him on. And he goes off the road and like driving through sidewalks and stuff. 
totally damaging the car, but getting her where she needs to be on time. Uh, Veer is clearly smitten by Ishita. So Veer gets home, and we find out now that he's Raj's little brother, and he tells Raj the truth about how the car was damaged, and Raj forgives him. He says, don't worry, uh, you know, anything for a pretty girl, basically. Um, So that night, Veer is in the garage fixing cars, and Ishita shows up looking for someone to fix her scooter. And he does some serious flirting with her and tells her that his older brother is terrible. He says, oh, my older brother is terrible. He beats me. He steals my money for studying. He's doing this all just so that she can kind of say like, oh, poor baby, because, you know, he wants her to like touch his shoulder again. Uh, And then Raj happens to be standing there and he hears this whole thing. Uh, And then when Ishita and Veer realize that Raj is there, Ishita stands up for Veer. And Raj kind of goes along with it and he pretends to be really mean. But it's obvious that Raj and Veer really love each other. So after everyone leaves, Veer drinks some coffee and then he falls asleep and dreams about Ishita. And we get this huge song and dance number with cars and people dancing in the street. Uh, And then he wakes up and it turns out that someone has stolen the radio out of the car that he was fixing. Uh, Now we find out that it was uh, Veer's friend, Sidu, the guy that had been in the car with him. He's the one that's been stealing stuff out of the garage and selling them to a pawn shop. The guy that owns the pawn shop, his name is Brother Oscar. Whose brother he is, uh, we don't know. Well, actually, we know who, who his sister is, but everybody calls him brother. So uh, he, so Sidu calls his girlfriend to tell her that he has some money now and he's going to take her to this party. And she says um, that she needs to call and ask her brother for permission. So she calls, and it turns out that her brother is Brother Oscar, the guy that owns the pawn shop. The pawn shop. So Sidu calls Jenny. Jenny calls her brother. And, and they're, like, they're all talking to each other and not realizing that they're talking to each other uh, right next to each other. Um, so that night, Veer goes and drops the scooter back at Ishita's house, and she invites him to have some coffee with her. And while they're talking, she tells him, man, your brother is really mean. And then Veer stops her and says, uh, you know, I can't, I can't let this go on. I have to tell you, my brother's actually really nice. I was lying to you. And she says, why were you lying to me? And he says, because uh, I, uh, I wanted just to talk to you more. Uh, and then Veer, all of Veer's beautiful friends show up. And it's just amazing how many beautiful people there are in this film. But my goodness. It, it is um, a, it's a very beautiful cast. Yeah. So all of Veer's beautiful, like 20-something um, friends, they all show up, uh, including Sidu and his girlfriend, Jenny. And they invite Ishita to come along. And she uh, she agrees. So they go to this big party. And it's at like a club. Um and uh, there are these drug pushers at the club, and they're, uh, they show up, and they're trying to get the club owner to sell drugs. So they're like, here, we're going to give you these drugs. You have to sell these drugs to the people um, in, in your club. And the club owner resists. And then Ishita steps in, and uh, this goon uh, breaks her phone. And then Veer steps in, and they get in this huge bar fight. And it turns out that Veer has serious martial arts skills. Like, uh... Jackie he takes Chan. on what, like, like twelve guys by himself. Yes. After they break like a million bottles and glasses and chairs and tables, the mafiosos finally leave, and they tell tell Veer that he better watch his back. And then later that night, he gets jumped by a bunch of guys who just beat the heck out of him. And at the hospital, Raj is there, and he says, uh, "Who beat you up?" But Veer won't tell him. And then Ishita shows up, and Raj treats her well even though Veer is lying to him about his relationship with this girl. So then Raja's sidekicks show up and they tell him they know where they can find the guys that hurt his brother. So, uh, so cue the hero music and the hero shot and Raj and these other two guys with him attack the mafiosos in their like drug lab. And he goes full on like green arrow on them. 
complete with like the hood and the brutal beatings. And Raj is not a person to, to mess with. He nearly beats to death all of the bad guys. And then he burns all the drugs. And as he leaves, one of the bad guys tells him that King won't stand for this. And Raj tells him, you tell King my name. Tell him Kali was here. And then he walks away. So Raj has two names now, Raj and Kali. And sometimes I'll call him Raj and sometimes I'll call him Kali. Uh, the next day, King, the, 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 the kingpin, the, the drug lord, he asks his guys what happened. And they tell him they couldn't see this guy's face, but he said his name was Kali. And they said, we think it might be Veer's older brother, Raj, but we doubt that because Raj is such a nice guy. Um, and then King decides to investigate. So he drives over to the garage and Veer wants to fight all these guys when they show up. Uh, but then Raj stops him and he says, hey, I don't like violence. Uh, I'm just a nice guy with humongous bulging muscles and uh, and two big bulging muscle guys that always hang out with me. But uh, anyway, King likes Raj and he tells his men that from now on, his cars are going to be modified here in Raj's garage. Raj's garage. And then he tells his men, if Raj is Kali, then I am queen. He doesn't believe there's any chance that Raj is actually Kali. So after King and his men leave, Raj's men laugh and they tell him they can't believe that King thought Raj was afraid of his men and his guns. Now we flash back 15 years to Bulgaria, where Raj is a fast and furious type of mafioso involved in this high speed chase through the streets of, I'm guessing, Sofia. Uh, but maybe some other uh, big city. Uh, and then um, in this chase, he accidentally hits this super pretty woman. And uh, for as fast as he's going and hitting her, she is remarkably okay from this whole thing. She looks like she's kind of hurt her leg a little bit. Uh, so she says, hey, oh, no, I'm really okay. Uh, but clearly, there's something between these two. We know because we get lots of slow motion shots of them kind of looking at each other, her hair blowing in the wind and uh, and and fancy music. So we know that there's, you know, Sparks. So uh, he has to run off before they can really talk much because these guys are trying to kill him. Uh, and then later, this big kingpin, uh, whose name is Malik, uh, he tells his men that Kali's theft is starting to cause him serious problems. So the next day, Kali, this is Raj, remember, earlier, he sees the girl that he hit with his car and he offers to give her a ride home. And she asks him who was chasing him. And he just tells her, I am the son of an Indian mafioso that lives here in Bulgaria. And she seems kind of disturbed by this, but he like is totally fine just telling her that that's his job. And <laughs> she tells him that her name is Mira and they do some serious flirting and slow motion staring at each other. It's pretty intense. And then later Raj and his father go back. I love the description slow motion staring. Yes. Well, that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. Very dramatic uh, music, string music. Uh, with a guy going la da 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 da, and then uh, and then they they just stare at each other. But you know, you know, there's no way to misunderstand what's going on in this film. The, the language of film is communicating what you need to know. Yes. So later, Raj and his father go to pick up Little Veer from school, and this is Little Veer is actually he's actually a little kid, like in grade school, and uh, and Veer is unhappy because he doesn't get to spend a lot of time with his father and his brother. Uh, and then it turns out that Veer can't stay with them because there's this there's this enmity between rival Indian mafias. And then Raj's dad tells him that he's sorry that Veer gets protection and education when Raj has to face all of the danger of being active in the mafia. But uh, Raj's father tells him, you know that I'm not really your biological father, which I guess is why he just uh, – anyway, they have kind of a strange relationship. But um, – Raj says, don't worry. I had no one before I met you and I was on the streets and you kind of saved me. So I'm happy to be your 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 right hand man. Uh, and then Raj says, I love you. 
and uh, and and the father makes Raj promise to never tell Veer that they aren't blood brothers. Then Mira calls to tell Kali that some guys have been bothering her and making racist comments. So then Raj uh, shows up. At, she's uh, she's like a, a she sells paintings on the street, and Raj shows up and he threatens them with his gold plated gun and his mafioso friends. And these guys run away. And Mira's grateful. And after some more serious flirting, uh, she agrees to go on a five minute date with him. She's kind of playing hard to get, and he says, "Just give me five minutes." So that night they go on a five minute date, and my goodness, what a date! <laughs> Um, he has his chauffeur pick her up in this like awesome old antique car they go for dinner and ice cream and music and dancing and a live string orchestra and flowers in five minutes Um, and she wants to celebrate uh, so she's she's feeling pretty good about this and she says hey tomorrow's my birthday can you celebrate with me and he says I can't because I have to deliver some a a consignment for my father uh, a, a big delivery of gold and she says, can I come along? And he says, no, there's this rival mafioso called Malik who's really bad, uh, and he's going to try and stop us, and it could be really dangerous. And uh, he, he says, don't worry. I'll finish the job uh, tomorrow, and I'll meet you in the evening to celebrate your birthday. And she says, I promise you, we will see each other tomorrow. Bum, bum, bum. So the next day, we get this other Fast and Furious car action sequence when Raj's caravan of luxury cars is attacked by a caravan of Land Rovers with a bazooka. And then Raj... <laughs> Uh, so these guys just blow up all of these cars, except for Raj's. Uh, his gets flipped over by the lead rover that has all these tinted windows. And so he's helpless upside down in his car and all the mafiosos get out of their car and they start walking, uh, walking down the, like down the highway towards him. And in the middle, we see Mira get out of the lead rover and she walks up to him with her own gold plated pistol and she crouches down and talks to him and she says, you're right. Today was danger uh, because I am the danger. And she says, I am Malik's daughter. And it turns out this whole entire thing was planned from the beginning. It was all an act. She actually purposefully let him hit her on the first day so that she could find out about when he was going to move this shipment of gold. And it looks like she's about to kill him. But then she says she's going to spare his life because it's her birthday. And as she walks away, he aims his gun at her, but he can't bring himself to pull the trigger. So later. I got a question. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. The the idea that this was all set up that includes him running her over. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Which is a gutsy move on her part. I mean, to <laughs> step out in to, front to of a high school. Just be a close call, and then just like, oh man, that what's that? that? Didn't go with plan. Was it just meant to be a close call and then she actually got hit? No, I think I, I I don't know. I mean, she seems to be pretty good at what she does. And maybe she can judge the speed of a, a of a high speed car. And maybe she knows that that Kali has incredible reflexes and that he will slam on his brakes and she'll get like a bump and have a limp for a day. But I, yeah. I, I don't know. Limp goes I mean, it seems like a quick. gutsy call. <laughs> seems like a gutsy call to me. Um, Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. Uh, so later, Kali tracks down Mira and they have this high speed chase. He's in a Mercedes. She's in a Porsche. And uh, and she tries to kill him by ramming him off a cliff. And then somehow they got in this they get in this spin together. And it looks like yeah, Lightning the McQueen. Cars are hugging. Yeah, it's Lightning McQueen and Sally in this like slow motion spin where the cars are hugging and they're like looking at each other. It's very interesting. They're doing slow mo stare again. 
Yeah, yeah, more slow-mo staring. And then they spin out of control, and she goes over, like, her car almost goes over the cliff, and she flies out the door, and Kali reaches out his hand and saves her from going over the edge. Then cue the string music for a minute, more slow motion, more uh, slow motion stares at each other. They embrace, uh, but then Kali tells her uh, to never show him her face again, or he will kill her. And then he walks off and leaves her in literally a cloud of dust. Now we get more string music and shots of a very melancholy Mira reevaluating her life's decisions. She eventually decides to drive up to his house. She confronts him and apologizes because she deceived him and almost killed him and maybe killed some of his friends. Uh, but he only ever loved her. She, so she says, I was horrible to you, but you only ever loved me. You were, you were genuine and I was false. I realize that now. And uh, she says, I love you. More strings. Uh, it looks like they're going to make up, but he's really angry at her, and he literally shuts her out of his house. And uh, so she just waits there all afternoon. She sits on his front porch, and then it starts to rain. And man, when it rains in this film, it really, really rains. Like People get soaked. Uh, and no, she's, There was a machine spraying water at them. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, it's as Hollywood if, rain. It's as if there were a machine spraying water on top of them. Uh, but they all still look beautiful when they're wet, um, which I think is probably the point. Uh, so, uh, so Kali sees her sitting out there and he brings an umbrella and holds it over her and he asks, what do you want to prove? And she says, I want to prove that, uh, that I love you. And he says, I don't believe you. And she says, you didn't believe me. Uh, let's see. She tells him that she doesn't know. Oh, she says, I don't know how to be anything but bad. And I need you to teach me how to be good. And then they embrace. And then we get this amazing song and dance music video with them singing to each other in Iceland. They're on rocky beaches. She's got these amazing dresses. Uh, he has this amazing hair. Okay, they both have amazing hair. And then they sing <laughs> and they dance and, and they the, tell and the each other. are so beautiful. They tell each other how much they love each other. We get solar flares, sunsets, sunrise. They're on top of a crashed airplane. They're next to this incredible waterfall with rainbows. He wears awesome sunglasses. They run on top of water. He has this amazing scarf. She has more amazing dresses. And then they dance on icebergs. So good. <laughs> it is amazing. Okay. okay so that, that sequence is the one that was the most expensive song. And they literally just packed every, like the crew and those two up. And they went to Iceland for a week to film just this one song. It was worth it. Some of those dresses, uh, there's some CG. There's some crazy CG stuff going on with. Uh, she has a dress that's like 50 feet long. And there's like there's got to be something. There's got to be something. Yeah. Or like wires holding it up off screen. I don't know. Yeah. Or black now, magic. Now, be before we move on, Todd, yes. right before this amazing music video, uh, which we can, I, I, that's the, the video itself has 200 million views on YouTube. So we'll get yes. the link to that in our show notes or on, on mm -hmm. our Facebook page as well. Um, the transition into this musical number was one of my favorite moments when he's holding the umbrella over her and she says something about teach me. And then he just flings the umbrella over his, <laughs> over his back. <laughs> I'm done with this umbrella. Yeah, I need so both I'm, arms. I'm yes. And, uh, and like, think like the nonchalance of Luke Skywalker tossing a lightsaber over his shoulder. If you've seen <laughs> the last, the last Jedi, he's doing this with an umbrella in pouring rain. And then they just get totally soaked. But like, why not? I mean, yeah. Nobody seems to bother. It, the rain doesn't seem to bother anybody really in this film. It doesn't bother the actors, and it really doesn't bother the the uh, the, the public either. The watching, <laughs> the viewers. Um, so uh, let's see. Okay, here we are. So back in oh, reality, at this point we are in one hour of this two and a half hour film. 
Like this flashback is the length of a TV episode. Yes. So back in reality, Mira tells Kali that they need to tell their families about their relationship. He agrees to tell his father and she will tell hers. But she's afraid that her dad will think this whole thing has been a plan to trick him. And then Kali asks, what if it really is a plan uh, to trick you and your father? And she says, if it's a plan, I will shoot you. And then we flash to an image of her shooting him in the chest. This is the image that we saw from the beginning of the film. And then later uh, of him staring at the scar on his chest. Um, and then we flash back to the present day where the film started. Okay, so now we're all the way back 15 years back into the future, which is our present day where the film started. So Veer has fallen asleep again, and someone has stolen the lights from one of his cars again. It's uh, Sidhu. Uh, and they think it might be the guy from the beginning who stole the phone, Mani. Uh, but it looks, but but he's innocent this time. And Mani tells Veer about Brother Oscar, the pawn dealer, who Veer's friends sell to. So he says, "Oh, you need some lights because somebody just stole your lights. You should go to Brother Oscar because he has a whole selection of lights stolen from cars just like yours. Maybe you could buy some from him." So Veer goes, and uh, and then he says, "Oh my gosh, I bet this Brother Oscar guy is the guy that's buying the stolen lights." And so if we stay here, we'll find out who it is. Sure enough, Sidhu, the friend, shows up and, uh, and he, he sells some lights to, uh, to Brother Oscar. And, uh, and then uh, he says, oh, uh, Brother Oscar says, how do you how do, you do this? And Sidhu says, well, I, ha- I have a friend who has this garage and I put sleeping pills in his coffee. And then he falls asleep and I steal this stuff from his cars. Uh, so Veer hears this and then he gets really mad. So he runs, uh, runs on scene and he attacks Sidhu by repeatedly hitting his backside. I mean, like a lot of times uh, with his fist. And then he gets like this uh, switch and he just is like spanking his friend just a lot. Um, it's it, it gets to a kind of it's kind of uh, strange after a while. Um, then Sidhu confesses that he uh, he has spent. He says, look, man, I'm not buying. I'm not stealing from you to get money for me. Look, I always wear the same clothes. It's all for my girlfriend, Jenny. I've been trying to buy her love um, because it's hard, man. It's hard having a girlfriend that you have to that you have to keep up. And you know how hard it is around women. You and I both grew up in uh, these boarding schools where there were no women. And uh, this touches a very sensitive nerve with fear. And the two start crying like babies, like literally just bawling their eyes out like babies. Uh, so everything's okay. So that night, Christmas Eve, Veer talks to Ishita and he finally tells her that he loves her in the cheesiest possible way. It's like cheesy high school prom date invitation, basically. Uh, and she really likes it. And uh, so now they're together. And Ishita says that she thinks they should tell their families. This should maybe sound familiar to us. Uh, and the next day, Veer tries to tell Raj, but he can't really find the words. So then Ishita shows up and she tells Raj herself that she and she and Veer love each other. And then Raj says, I'd like to meet your family. And he drives over to the mansion the next day. And who do you think could possibly be waiting in the house for him? But Mira, cue the heavy strings and the slow motion. And, uh, and she tells him, I never want to see Veer with Ishita again, and that I only spare your life. I only don't shoot you now because of Ishita. And then he drives away, and we flash back now, again, back, back 15 years, back in Bulgaria. So Mira and Kali tell Kali's father that they're in love, and he believes them. But he doesn't believe that Malik, Mira's father, will believe, uh, will believe them. When Mira tells her father about it, he says, I agree. Uh, it looks like you're in love with him. Let's, let's come together. We'll bring all these families together and we'll end, this, uh, we'll end this feud. So Kali and his father show up at the house and they are ambushed by Malik's men. And they have this huge firefight. This is the same one that we saw at the beginning of the film in the opening credits. And Kali kills just a bunch of bad guys. I mean, this is really <laughs> – um, 
there's a lot of shooting going on here and lots of uh, martial arts, uh, you know, antics. And then one of Malik's men calls Mira to tell her that Kali and his father deceived them and have attacked. So lies to her and tells her, Kali came with his dad and he they attacked us. Um, in the end, Malik and Kali's uh, uh, so Malik, so Mira's father and Kali's father, they end up facing each other with guns and they shoot each other point blank just a bunch of times and they kill each other. <laughs> they shoot each other so many times after the first bullets are in each of them. They I know. both just keep staring at each other and pulling their triggers a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, and then Mira shows up just as Kali as, so Kali runs over and, and kind of his dad falls in his arms and Kali picks up the gun and points it at Mira's father, just as Mira walks in the room. So it looks like he has shot Mira's father. And so she pulls out a gun and with tears in her eyes, she shoots Kali right in the heart, like stone cold. And then she falls on her knees and weeps. Somehow, uh, Kali makes it to the hospital after being shot point blank in the heart. He makes it to the hospital and they save his life. Who called the Uh, hospital? I don't know. I hope you don't think this is implausible, Todd. Because okay. <laughs> you might need to swallow this one or two more times. Okay. <laughs> okay, so then Mira decides to take her little sister Ishita back to India and start a new life. And Kali's men tell him that Mira has left. We, we can't figure out where she's gone. She's gone. So you should just take Veer and go back to India and start a new life. Now we flash back to the present. And Raj can't believe that they're repeating the same story. So Raj and Mira each forbid, forbid their siblings from seeing each other, but they won't give a reason. Vera is sure that Raj knows Mira, and Sidhu tells him to ask his brother, who is one of Raj's friends from the old days, about how they know each other. Uh, but then they, so the Sidhu's brother ends up telling Veer this strange story about how, about how Raj. And Mira's real names are Ramlal and Pogo, and how Ramlal uh, had been a washerman, and they'd been in love, but then they'd broken up, and then um, and then Veer and Sidhu leave crying because it's such an emotional tale. And now Veer starts calling Raj Ramlal and hugging him because he feels bad, and he tells Raj, "Don't worry, Raj, I know all about Ramlal and Pogo." And Raj is like, "What in the heck is going on here? This is so strange." Um, and then they, uh, they also tell Ish- I- Ishita about Ramlal and Pogo. And the friends all conspire to make Mira and Raj fall in love again. So this is Ishita and Jenny and, uh, and Veer and Sidhu. So um, we cut to a church where King, the drug lord, has his fancy car parked outside. And Mani, the petty thief, comes and he steals King's car. Little does he know that the car is full of millions of dollars worth of drugs. And he drives it to Raj's place. Uh, and Veer's there. And they, they decide they're going to hide the car from Raj and change its color. In exchange for this favor uh, to Mani, they ask him to pose as a goon and to harass Mira. And then they plan for Raj to show up and save her and that this will rekindle their love. So they put the plan in motion. But, but when, uh, when Mani starts harassing, uh, Mira, harassing Mira, she just beats him up. <laughs> she takes a baseball bat out of her car and she takes it to his backside. Uh, and then Raj finds out about this plan and he, sa- he tells Veer, he says, just leave it alone. Um, but Ishita tells him that she doesn't believe that he isn't still in love with Mira. And, uh, she says, I know my sister and I know that she still loves you. And, uh, this touches a, a sensitive chord with Raj. Now, Veer and Sidhu make a new plan. They sabotage Mira's car so that Raj can drive by and help her out. So, uh, so her car breaks down and Raj does drive by just as you guessed it, it started to rain. And, uh, so she goes and gets in her car 
and he goes and uh, he's fixing her car and then she comes out, she's holding this umbrella for him and then they start to sing and they dance and the rain pours down on them. It's very romantic and then they're in this nightclub with dancers. He's in this sweet black suit. She's got this another amazing dress and then we realize that all of this has been a dream. She's actually just waiting in the car while he fixes it and then uh, when he's done, she drives off without even saying thank you. Back in the garage, uh, Veer is covered. He, he's covered King's red car in gold foil. And like, okay, there's no way that this car is not recognized. It is the most recognizable car you could possibly imagine with these huge spoilers on the back. And uh, anyway, um, but they've covered it in gold foil. So apparently now it's unrecognizable. But in the trunk, they find all of these drugs. So they decide to burn the drugs. So, so they go out and they just light this fire on literally a street corner. And they're burning all these drugs and they get totally drunk, uh, Mani, Veer, and Sidhu. And then King shows up and he asks them to fix his car. And, uh, and while they're fixing his car, um, King is over there warming his hands on the fire. Mani thinks this is hilarious. So he goes over and he starts taunting King, asking him if he lost something that had been in his car or if he ever found Kali. Um, uh, and, and King doesn't really realize what's going on. So now Raj is just kind of hanging out around Mira's place one night, um, kind of. I don't know. It's kind of stalking her, it looks like. Uh, and then King's men show up trying to get her to sell drugs because she has this restaurant. So they want her to sell drugs at her restaurant. And then Kali shows up and beats the tar out of them. And then he leaves. And Mira looks at him surprised uh, that he's there. And sometime later, Veer and Raj show up at church. And conveniently, Mira and Ishita are there as well. And Veera and Ishita leave to let Raj and Mira be alone. But then King shows up and he asks Mira if she knows who Kali is. And she says, I don't know who Kali is. Later, Mani sells King's gold-covered car to Brother Oscar, the pawn dealer. And, he, and, and Brother Oscar says he wants to give his car, the car, to his sister Jenny's boyfriend, who he hasn't met yet, who we all know is Sidhu. And then Jenny goes and tells Sidhu that she's told her brother about their relationship and that he wants to meet. And Oscar is, so, the, so they end up meeting. And Oscar is shocked that the boyfriend is Sidhu, who is a thief. And Sidhu is surprised to know that his sister's brother is the pawn store owner. And then, uh, and then Raj shows up. And Sidhu uh, says, listen, I was a thief. It's true. But the only reason I was a thief is because love has become expensive. A trip to the movies with my girlfriend cost me 800 rupees. If she wants coffee, it's a thousand rupees more. And Raj says, you know what? You're right. Love is expensive. I feel really bad for you. So all is forgiven. And, uh, and he says, hey, Oscar, this Sidhu guy, he's really good. Uh, so you should let him marry your sister. And Oscar's like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay. So Veer calls Ishita to tell her the good news about Sidhu and Jenny. And Mira uh, catches her on the phone with Veer. And Ishita pushes her to tell her, she says, tell me what's going on. Like, why won't you let me talk with Vera, with Veer? And Mira tells her she won't say a thing. So then Ishita says, fine, then I'll never, I'll never love anybody except for Veer. And Mira feels bad, and she asks Ishita to call Veer over. So he comes over, and Mira says, okay, fine, here's the deal. You can marry Ishita, but you have to renounce your relationship with your brother and promise to never see him again. You come and live here with me and, and Ishita. And Veer says, okay, listen, nothing is more important to me than a brother, than my brother, not even Ishita, and he leaves. And, uh, and Mira says, you are leaving Ishita for a brother who is not really your blood brother. Dun, dun, dun. So now Veer goes home and confronts Raj. Dun, dun, dun. Raj admits it. Dun, dun, dun. They cry like babies. 
Veer tells Raj about Mira's condition. Dun, dun, dun. Veer says he, uh, her, her condition, I mean, the condition of the marriage, not like she doesn't have a medical condition, but her, her condition that, uh, you know, that, that they can get married if he stays there. Dun, dun, dun. Then Veer, uh, Veer says he's left Ishita and he's going to find someone else and make sure she doesn't have an older sister. Then they laugh and then they hug. Dun, dun, dun. So now Raj, I mean, the, the dramatic dun, dun, duns. I, you may think I'm going overboard. Just go watch the film, okay? So Raj goes, and he grabs Mira and takes her to a ruined church, quiet man style, and he tells her, I did not kill your father. And she says, I don't believe you. And he pulls out a gun and gives, puts it in her hand and points it at his chest, and he says, if you don't believe me, pull the trigger. And she can't, and he walks away and goes to the beach to sing a sad song. And during the song, uh, basically, you just see a lot of people that are really sad. Um, but there's one uh, great scene where uh, Raj sees Veer holding a knife, and it looks like maybe he's like contemplating suicide. Um, but it turns out Veer was just about to cut an apple, and they, they just laugh about it. Um, but mostly, the song is just uh, lots of sad, sad eyes all around. <sighs> We're getting close to the end here. So one of Mira's father's men shows up to tell Mira that it was her father that turned on Kali and his father. Dun, dun, dun. So she goes to apologize and tells him that he can marry Ishita and stay in his house. Now, Veer is very happy, and Mira and Raj go for a little walk, and they talk, and he tells her, you know, you put on some weight, and then they kind of laugh about it. And she says, oh, it's been 15 years. And he says, no, 15 years, four months, and 10 days. <sighs> and she says she's so sorry. It was all her fault. And he says, it wasn't all your fault. It was just circumstances. Then they almost kiss but then Brother Oscar shows up. Turn that Brother Oscar. Now it's time for Jenny and Sidu's wedding. And Raj and Mira are there and they're kind of checking each other out, but they're not dancing each other with each other at first. Ishita and Veer try to convince them about to get married with each other. Um, and then while they're dancing, Raj offers to let Mira come and visit Ishita every day. And she says, well, that's a, that's a nice offer, but man, all that traveling sounds like a lot of work. Like maybe it would be better if I was just, you know, there. Uh, and then he tells her, <laughs> he says her, um, just give me five minutes, uh, you know, like a five minute date with you. And then King shows up at the wedding and he sees his recovered car and he recognizes it because it's like the most recognizable car ever. And, uh, and he sends his goons to go pick up brother Oscar who tells King that Monty had stolen the car. So the goons pull Monty away from the party and King has asks him where the drugs are. And he says, go ask Veer. So the goons bring Veer and then Monty tells King that the drugs were burned in the fire. So there's a big fight and Veer starts kicking tail like he does, but then he gets beat up and then Mira calls for Kali and he comes and he takes off his jacket and his bow tie and he just beats the heck out of these uh, goons, King's goons. And then he beats the tar out of King and then King pulls out a gun and he tries to shoot Raj, but Mira steps in front of him and takes the bullet right in the chest. Back in the hospital. Yes, she's totally fine. Veer and Ishita tell Mira that Raj has told them everything that he, what Raj has told them is that he had been a washerman called Ramlal, but that he left it for a, a life of crime as Kali and that Mira slash Pogo had left him so that she wouldn't, he wouldn't be a bad influence on Ishita. She's happy to let them believe this when he asks him why he allowed for them to believe that he was a bad guy uh, and she was good. He responds in big countries, these small things sometimes happen the end, but don't wait. There's one more awesome and strange music video to finish up. This one includes lots of hoverboards. The end. <laughs> wow, Todd. Well done on that summary of one of the, the harder to summarize stories, just because there's so much that happens <laughs> in this. 
it is overstuffed with plot. Like you started to do your dun 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 with the big shocking reveals, and you you just could have kept going. Yeah, (laughs) uh, you know every every twist that's supposed to like blow the audience's mind as it goes along. Yeah. All right, so Todd, you'd warned us that this film borrowed um, a lot of kind of visual rhetoric from a lot of other films, and you could feel a lot of genres being mashed together. So I kept a list of things that this film remind me of as I was watching it. So I'll just run through some of what I spotted. So the Fast and the Furious franchise, a lot of the car, um, the the car heists and the car chases felt evocative of the style you see in Fast and Furious. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, you have the the star-crossed lovers of the warring families. Arrow, uh, when uh, when he goes in and puts the hood up, it just it looked right like season one. <laughs> so Arrow, Arrow. <laughs> totally. Um, John Woo action films. Uh, I, I've heard him called both bullet foo or gun foo when uh, he would do some of his slow mo action shots of of gunfights, and definitely some of the the fight scenes uh, with the gangsters uh, felt like that. It felt very Boz Lerman at multiple points for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Boz Lerman does kind of pastiche visual styles in his films. And that definitely fits with this. He's most famous for uh, the Romeo plus Juliet or uh, recently he did the great Gatsby. Did he do great Gatsby? Um, I, the, what was that? Great Gatsby. Yeah. And, uh, and what's the other one? The uh, Nicole Kidman. Um, what's it called? Australia. No, the, the singing one. Oh, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Thank you. <laughs> did he do that? Uh, what was that? I think he did. He did those three, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, just a genre felt you had elements of romantic comedy at times, like the coupling kind of farce situation mm-hmm. that was going on. Uh, it felt not like a Godfather, but like a Godfather sketch mm-hmm. with with the king. Um, when he was doing his kind of prom date, it felt kind of lifted straight from Love Actually, from the end of Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> the dropping poster board with different messages on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, pop musicals when they're using popular music songs. Uh, the, it felt like a Tim Burton color palette at times. Uh, just again, oversaturation of those. Mm-hmm. There was really broad slapstick comedy that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't land for me. Yep. Um, like I agree. They, they did the sped up camera thing. Mm-hmm. I think we last talked about that with cool runnings. Yes. Uh, and sometimes like when someone's getting hit with the, the, the bat or the switch over and over and it's supposed to be funny after a while, it just gets uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, let's see uh, much ado about nothing another Shakespeare getting tossed in there uh, Jackie Chan some of the action scenes kind of were heading in the direction of a Jackie Chan fight sequence like there's one I think is when uh, the first time Veer is is uh, he just instantly gets into a fight with the drug dealers uh-huh. um, and there's one where like two of them come and they're both throwing a punch at the same time and he catches both fists with his hands and then he jumps and kicks and I don't know that the physics of this work at all, but, you know, knocks them both backwards. Yes. Uh, it, it just felt like something you'd see in a Jackie Chan film. Mm-hmm. And I told Andrew that I was doing this list and he threw out a couple other things. Andrew, you'd said some of it reminded you of Mamma Mia, uh, the musical. Uh, the musical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. What was particularly evocative of Scott Pilgrim for you? Um, the heightened reality and the fight sequences where I first thought of it. It's like, oh, OK, like these are normal people and they can just fight like they're professionals yes and that's yes. sort of a yeah. hallmark of the scott pilgrim stuff it's like these are normal people but yes they all have these crazy intense fights <laughs> um with, with thousands of dollars of damage <laughs> and you'd also said um, born identity yeah in uh in the flashback where um where it's the the gunfight the shootout oh yeah 
Um, that struck me as some born identity. And I feel like they were doing that with the music. Um, and then the, the fighting is heightened kind of like Indiana Jones where it's big, big, mm-hmm. big punches and you like the big sounds and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, uh, when Todd was talking about the, the car chase in Bulgaria with, uh, with, uh, Kali and, and Mira, it reminded me of, uh, man from uncle. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that as well. Which is again uh, uh, that's, uh, kind that's of an underrated film. We, I, we I really do enjoy that. that movie, and and again uh, the heightened reality kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in this film. <laughs> yes. And I can um, totally to point that for me, like if I if I was gonna pick a nit, like towards the end with all the constant like what what like I stopped caring. Yeah. <laughs> like I kind of felt like can we just get these people together? Obviously they're gonna be together. <laughs> yes. I feel like if you're not in the right mood, this film could be totally annoying. Um, but for some reason, both of the times that I've watched it, I've been absolutely 100% in the right mood. That is after like two hours and 15 minutes of me just really enjoying everything. I'm kind of like, okay, let's just wrap this up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it's, that's a minor complaint. You know, that's like 10% of the film bothering me at the, at, at the end. Yeah, um, that great, uh, that great music video at the very end that like totally okay. makes up for it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hoverboards. <laughs> I guess uh, one other thing about the very end that kind of I wish had been handled a little differently when she calls out for Kali was his name, his uh-huh. gangster name. Yeah, Is that right. I wanted that fight to be a little more epic than it ended up being. Yeah, um, like he gets a great hero shot entrance, throwing off his bow tie, and his jacket somehow flies through the air. Actually flicks it over his shoulder like a kite just goes up. Um, but then the, the fight felt a little perfunctory compared to some of the uh, choreography we'd seen in earlier fights. So I wanted that one to be the biggest fight of the okay. film. And just kind of kind of happened at the end. Uh-huh. But it's a minor complaint. I really did enjoy watching this film. I feel like the people who made this film, they really know how to use a fan to its <laughs> ultimate. Like, <laughs> like they have found the the greatest possible use for a fan. Um, I mean, I feel like they must just that that there there's somebody on that set who really knows his or her way around a a, a big fan. Like like yeah, how I feel like, how sometimes you hear about it's like well this cinematographer is the best in the business. Like this is the number one fan guy. Yeah, who's the uh, who's the, the the sound guy for Star Wars? Ben Burt. Ben Burt. So this yes. is the, the Ben Burt of handling the Ben Burt of wind. handling fans. Yes. Yeah. Is, well, I mean, when they, film. when they do like the glamour shots and you get the, the wind blowing just right for the hair, it, yep. it really is impressive. <laughs> I, I did think that um, every shampoo company should watch this and hire that guy for their or girl, <laughs> that, that person for their shampoo commercials because yes. the hair just looked amazing in so many shots in this film. Oh, yeah. Lots of pretty people. My wife doesn't think that uh, SRK is very pretty, but... Um... I, I kind of do. <laughs> I think he's, he's a handsome man. <laughs> I thought um, the flashback, so he jumps back 15 years. I didn't feel like he looked younger, much younger uh, in the flashbacks. And that was a little, little jarring. Like the beard didn't do much to age him. Uh-huh. Well, I feel I like he probably that. hasn't aged that much in the last 15 years anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're filming this. Yeah. But uh, like the, the beard, no beard look didn't do enough for me to differentiate the, the 15 year gap. That's interesting that you think that because I had the exact opposite impression. I feel like that. Yeah, I thought, I felt I like thought it, worked. it worked really well. No, okay. I almost thought it was a different actor. 
it did uh i did i did come across the fact that for a while they were um considering just doing a mustache instead of the full beard i think i'm glad <laughs> they went with the, oh, yeah. the full beard yep 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 it, the, the full beard works pretty well yeah okay so uh, talking about some of these characters, I thought just before we even dive into the individual ones, the film kind of did a weird bait and switch for me because we get introduced to Veer and um, Ishita, and, uh, Ishita uh, uh, so early on that I felt like they were going to be our main characters. And then the film pauses <laughs> and gives, as Andrew said, like a full television length, uh, you know, backstory to Raj and Mira and they kind of become main characters for you know, carry the film a lot more yeah. uh, than, than Veer and Ishita end, end up doing. And it was just, I, I didn't know if it was a, a different style of storytelling because of cultural things, but it really kind of threw me to have our main characters kind of just disappear for 45 minutes or what I thought were going to be our main characters, I guess I should say. I liked it. I didn't think it bothered me at all. Um, I... It, it really is um, like for me, it was discovering it's a, it's a film inside of a film and yeah, yeah. it, it worked for me. Uh, mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's definitely not what you think it's going to be at the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> There's um, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was written by Brad Meltzer. I remember he wrote it, but you get like two chapters where you're following first person, this protagonist, mm. um, and then like he hands off like like he's trying to get a message to someone uh and then he gets killed like the main character you've been following in this book and he's really dead <laughs> and his last <laughs> thought is i hope the message gets to x i can't remember the name of the character and then that character becomes the main character for the rest of the book interesting and it was really weird um as a reader to have it was kind of what i felt a little bit in this film and i was trying to think if like that book ever got adapted how they could do it and the only way i could think of doing that would be to have a super a-list actor and like do all the advertising that he was going to be the main character of the film and then really kill him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 10 minutes into the film huh. and have a B-list actor or, or, you know, a young unknown carry the rest of the film, but all the, the promotional stuff would have to make you think you were going in for a different experience to get the same um, kind of like emotional, like, wait, what, what just happened here? Uh-huh. Now it wasn't that, uh, that significant in this one because they, they didn't kill off <laughs> um, the characters. I just was expecting a different kind of story. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, processing it as I've thought about it and how much plot there is as I start to think I started to think of this as like if this was an entire TV season mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it would make more sense to like get the flashback episodes telling you know some of these stories and I think with a little more space between the big reveals you know from episode to episode I mean another thing that I could have put into what this remind me of, uh, reminds me of would have just been a straight up like soap opera, like a telenovela mm -hmm. with all the twists and turns going on, yeah. but it gets compressed down to, um, you know, the two hours and 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, flashback. Is, it's, it's really tight. Cause like you said, you know, you could do, I, I think multiple seasons of a TV show even, um, and, and kind of like pat it out pretty, like some of these major beats could be season finales and they condense it so tight. Like there are chunks of this film where it seems like they spent 20 minutes going at the pace of that opening classroom scene in high school musical where it's like <laughs> here is plot point, plot point, character, 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 and we're out. Yeah. They're going at a uh, grand hotel pace for a lot of this film. <laughs> um, the, th the, the, the only, the, the, pacing part that bothered me was at the very end when the, when you have all these reveals and this he like heavy handed the dun 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 music um, and it's just like 
I mean, every one minute or something, it feels like they're doing this. <laughs> After a while, I, I, I got a little fatigued um, with all of the big reveals in such a short, a, such a short period of time. Um, but that, that was my pacing thing. I, I like the flashback. I think it works really well. Um, and you get so into that flashback that you forget that there's like this whole other thing going on. Absolutely. And when he, when he flashes back to the present, you're like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Here we yeah. are. I finished, I finished watching a movie. Oh, I was in a movie yeah. when that one started. And you still don't know how it's going to connect to the Veer and Ishita storyline mm-hmm. at all. And I like the, um, I like the kind of tonal shift between the, the flashback and, and the present. Um, I feel like there's different things going on with color and uh, I don't know. I just, it, it, I, I, I like the flashback. I think it works well. And that had one of the my favorite twists when she, uh, oh, what was her name? Mira. 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 When she gets out of the car so uh, and walks flashback. up to his to his car, mm-hmm. it was so good. <laughs> yeah, during the flashback. Did you see uh, that coming? I didn't, and I felt like okay. I should have, but I didn't. I, I, but, but what it does, I half expected it, but I can't remember what pieces I had missed. But immediately, I was thinking. Oh, I bet they set they set that up for me, and somehow I missed it. Yeah, the, no, they totally do set it up. Uh, I think I was surprised the first time that I watched it, and as I was watching it this second time, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so obvious! It's so obvious from the very beginning." Uh, but um, but you know that's how film is. Like you see what you want to see. I think hmm. we want to be and fooled, that, that as the sequence. prestige uh, taught us. <laughs> yes, that whole sequence of the car crash and him being upside down. I. Like I enjoyed that filmmaking, that uh, cinematography, mm-hmm. and even though it feels kind of cliched, like the the shots of all uh, the gangsters walking, <laughs> you know, in front of the, the burning car crash and all these other things, it felt super cliched, but it totally worked for me. Even though yeah. I could probably find reference films for like where these kinds of shots have been done before, it's I still was, you know, in uh, pulled into the story with how it was being presented at that mm-hmm. moment. So we've talked a lot about the 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 uh, the craft of this, the filmmaking aspect of it. Um, we should talk about the characters. So I don't know where you want to start, but I, I want you guys to start with Raj because I feel like they really set this guy. Like you know his character within just a few minutes. Well, uh, which layers of Raj are we talking about? Well, <laughs> for, I mean, for I mean, start with like the beginning of the film where you get like the flashbacks and the cold sweat, and then um, him like rescuing Manny. Like by the by the mm-hmm. end of that, you're like, okay, I get who this guy is. Like he's done some bad stuff. He has he has he has bad memories about it. He has nightmares about it. But yeah, he's definitely this good guy. Yeah, and I think the fact that he has he has the nightmares about it lets you believe that um, you know that, that is a regret, right, of his past. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know he got out of that life. Uh, for moral and ethical reasons. Now, when we get to the flashback, that's not the case. <laughs> um, but I think it makes it the combination of him having the nightmares and then immediately rescuing the guy that's getting beat up in the street, make you think, oh, this is a guy with a heart of gold that got got into the wrong crowd mm-hmm. at some point. Well, and even in the flashback, it, it seems yeah. like he's got the heart of gold with like the five minute date. It's like, this guy's a romantic dork. Yeah. <laughs> but he does, he does enjoy being a gangster that gets to shoot people and have crazy yeah. car chases. Um, he does. Well, and and he is he is brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he's in those fights, like he does not pull his punches. And, and ever. like before the flashback, you see that in the when he when he attacks the the drug lords. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this is a, like a violent, intense guy, 
with with no mercy. But at the same time, you know, it's like, but he's Raj. Like, I, I like him. He's the good guy. He's doing this to protect his brother. It's okay. And you're kind of like arguing on his behalf in your mind. I, I do have a question, though, in the flashback, because there's a certain point where they don't establish, like, what happened in the hotel. But you know that he's been a bad person. And so when, when my wife and I were watching it, we're like, was he so bad that he actually did plot to kill Mira's family? Like, was that how bad he, he was before he turned good? Did you guys have any of that? Or like how, how evil you thought he might be? Mm, I didn't imagine him plotting to kill her family. I okay. did not either. Uh, her family was obviously, I mean, we're showed her family plotting to kill him. Yes. So I, because we weren't shown him with that plot, I assumed he thought this was on the open okay. up. I mean, I definitely wanted it to be that way. Um, I was, I was worried. He's still plenty bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was worried about like how bad he could have been in the past. Like, was there something really irredeemable? But I feel well, like, I mean, he's a, he's a cold blooded murderer and a gangster and a criminal, right? I mean, so it, we want him to be redeemed because he does the cute five minute date. And, uh, cause he is the, you know, the, the Bollywood Tom Cruise, <laughs> Right. Um, and so I think uh, from what I've read, like the audience is going to go in with goodwill towards him, right? To, to, because of the actor's baggage that gets carried into this right. role, there's going to be automatic goodwill delivered to that character. But if you really break down what this character is, it, it, there's it's hard to redeem him because he, it's not even that he gets out of the crime life because of his moral compass. He gets out because of a relationship that went really bad and he's worried he's going to be hunted down and killed. But like, I feel like I feel like we're kind of missing the moral point of this film. Like crime in any form is really not a big deal for anybody in this film. Like it, it, it from like petty theft to less like, petty theft. There, there is to, it seems like drug dealing is the one that everyone frowns on. But, but at What's the same that? time, drug dealing gets frowned on. No drug. Well, drug selling drugs to like innocent people to kids, to kids <laughs> that is frowned on. Yeah, it's like hey, everything else selling the drugs. But also, like, there is no presence of law or justice in this in this film. No. Like, there's never a police officer. Nope. <laughs> like they, the mafia is only fighting other mafia. They aren't running from the cops. Right, and you say like you say that Raj is cold blooded murderer, but I don't I don't see him murdering anyone in cold blood. I see him kill a lot of people, but it's all like in part of the business, right? He's only killing other mafiosos. Yeah, He's not true. killing it, and and it's people who are about to kill him. Right. It was a killer killed situation. Yeah, I, yeah, that's fair in all of these situations, and so. I don't see like this is not we're not talking about Darth Vader here, right? We're not talking about Anakin Skywalker who kills all the sand people mm-hmm. and then we're like or, or all the younglings and then trying to find redemption for that. This is just a guy trying to make his way in a world that's completely absent of any kind of authority. And he see, I, I mean, when he meets Mira in the streets in Bulgaria, he's like, yeah, I work for the mafia. Like he's totally fine with it, um, which should, I think, clue us in that. We're dealing with a different it's a different kind of society that treats the law, at least in this film. Um, and I'm not like I've never been to India. I don't know a lot about the country. You're not making commentary about India. I'm not making commentary about the world of the narrative world. Talking about the narrative world of this film, inside of this film, there is no authority. And it doesn't seem like people are really super phased with uh, by by people who break the law for justifiable reasons. And he's working for 
uh, a man who saved him from a life in the streets, who's given him a very good life. He seems to love him. Um, and, and that like the, the importance of family in this film is huge. Right. And this is one of the things that I think is the most interesting is when Mira calls in Veer and says, okay, Veer, you can marry Ishita, but you have to stay here with me and you can be with her. You can be with this woman that you love, that you've loved from the second that you saw her, right? Like totally Romeo and Juliet, she doth teeth the torches to burn brightly. And he says, you can go fly a kite. I'm not leaving my brother. <laughs> like this is, the, it. it's, it's not even really a hard decision for him. Uh, I mean, right. he's sad. He's sad because he loves Ishita, but it's not like he's second guessing himself. And then we even have that funny moment in the in in the sad song when everybody's so sad and forlorn, and uh, and Raj sees Veer with the knife. It's like, oh my gosh, is he contemplating suicide? And he's like, no, of course he's not compl- contemplating suicide. He's got his brother there that loves him, and they just laugh. Right. Because they're like, oh, man, can you imagine if I was really that broken up about this girl that I would be thinking about that? Come on. You got to be kidding me. Like we have a good life and we love each other and we're brothers and like this is fine. Um, that that <laughs> messaging for me is so interesting. And I think it's a very different way of envisioning relationships than we often see in films in the West. In the flashback, we even get that um, the message that the filial love is supposed to be more important than the romantic love. Yes. Yeah. It's like filial love, fraternal love, and then romantic love, right? Yeah. <laughs> in that in that order. And I think that's I think that's kind of a an interesting way of thinking about relationships because it's not how we normally think of relationships in in a Hollywood film where it's yeah, everything it, it, is about the romance and you're willing to um, you know, turn your back on family, father and mother and everybody to be with the person that you love. And here they're like, no man, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no well, way. I think what they, what they really show in this film, like the, the turning is anytime somebody doesn't want to allow all of those kinds of loves to exist. Anytime somebody's trying to cut one of them off, which is like mm-hmm. fear turning against Mira is like, no, you're trying to like hurt one of the things that's important to me. So no, that's not an option. Or when Mira thinks that um, Kali has turned against her family. You know, like they're they are hoping that everyone can work it out and everyone can, you know, have the person they care about most, you know, like their significant other or their their family or their friends all work it out. And like there's so much forgiveness going on throughout this movie, (laughs) like an absurd amount of forgiveness. But at the same time, it's really refreshing. Like everything that happens, like Veer screws up and Raj just immediate like it's okay, little brother. Let's take care of each other. You totally trashed. You totally trashed this BMW that we just souped up, but it's like not a big deal. You you fell asleep and stuff or got his stolen. friend who uh, who's been stealing the stuff. Yeah, he finally like this is a regular. Like he, he hits him with a switch several times, and it's like, come on, like yeah, right. Like, we're, you're still my best friend. There's so and then much when he gets confronted by Raj or and Oscar, and they're like, "You're a thief," and he says, "Are you kidding me? It's expensive. Like having a girlfriend is expensive." And they're like, "You know what?" You're right. Having a girlfriend is expensive. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like it, it really feels like for all the characters, ultimately, um, like the love and the relationships, whether that's family or friends or romantic or whatever, are way more important than anything anybody can possibly do, except for deal <laughs> I drugs. Think, I think Jenny's reaction is so interesting in that whole that whole sequence when um, when Sidu is justifying his his uh, his thievery. 
by saying how expensive it is to have a girlfriend and like, this is so hard and it's so expensive. And she's just like kind of standing there looking at him with this, like, uh, I, I don't know how to describe the, the look on her face. She, she looks kind of, um, kind of annoyed, but not totally annoyed. And then in the end, they're like, they get married, you know, the next day. <laughs> so, so she's obviously not really beat up about this. Um, you would think that she would say, come on, you jerk. Like, I, w- I wouldn't care if you took me to the movies or not. I don't want you to be a thief. But she's like, nope, you know, that was. Well, and, and they don't right. care about thieving. The only time anyone cares about thieving is when Manny one. does it. I know. But then when Manny says that he's doing it for his little brother, they're it, like, it's oh, forgiven. Okay, that's cool. it's because love is more important than the things people do. Totally forgiven. Yeah, I think you made another good point, Andrew, about um, about how all of these all of these kinds of love are important—the filial and the and the fraternal and the romantic. Um, and one of the one of the moments that kind of softens Mira is when she hears Ishita say, um, "I'm never going to love anybody again. Like I'm not going to get over this." And and Mira is like, "Wow, that's." You know, that makes me sad to think that my sister would never love anybody ever again, which is a very different response than Veer's when he says, that's fine. I'll just find somebody else. I'll just make sure that she doesn't have an older sister. And then they laugh about it and they, they kind of seem fine. I, it's, it's interesting that you have these, the, the sister pairing and the brother pairing, and there's so much mirroring going on in this film, but they're not identical relationships. I don't think. And I think it just makes for more interesting storytelling to have their relationships be different. But it's one of the things. Um, but, uh, but also, I mean, I, I do enjoy that you get the, the mirroring that you said. Like it's close enough that um, it's kind of like intriguing as to why why are we seeing such similar stories? But then they they do take those twists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so often screenwriters get scared of having characters or plot points that are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you can get some really interesting uh, fodder out of, out of mining similarities for for a point of commentary instead of just contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um. I, this is going to be well <laughs> kind of random, but uh, I saw an article going around um, talking about how Frazier helped inspire one of the major plot lines of Avengers: Infinity War. Oh, really? It's like a Venn diagram of my published research <laughs> coming together. The, the screenwriters talked about their decision to put Tony Stark and Doctor Strange together in a film when they're both white men with goatees who are really egotistical. Like that's those are some of their main <laughs> characteristics. And obviously one's one's magical and one's one's technological and scientific. But those are like if, if you try and boil them down, their appearance is pretty similar. And they're one of their defining characteristics is their massive ego and always believing they're the smartest one in the room. And they said Frazier showed them to not be afraid of having characters who are the same yeah. uh, interacting together because some really interesting fireworks can happen with those similarities instead of just the constant drumbeat of Western cinema is contrast is where you're going to find uh, story uh-huh. and theme. Interesting. <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> I didn't know that one was going to come up in this discussion. I did not. I did not see that coming. Uh, we've been going for a while well, on this. It's, that fits for this whole film, though, because there's so much that you don't see coming in this film. You got any last words on this? Uh, this was just a lot of fun. Uh, there's very high quality cinematography going on. There's really fun 
uh, choreography in the dance numbers. There's just plot twist galore. And there's, uh, it, it's just so beautiful to look at. And I'm not just talking about the actors and actresses who, are, like we said, are all attractive people, but the, like the scenes and the, the, the way they film, uh, the, the background shots during, during the musical numbers is just interesting to look at. And there's always something fascinating to see. And, and again, just like watch it with an eye towards all of the color and, um, the use uh, of the mise-en-scene to kind of give you just interesting visuals. And I don't think there's any way you'll be bored watching Dilwale. Okay, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review there. It really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number 62, about Much Ado About Nothing, number 134, about Sing Street, or number 178, our anime Truth and a Lie. Uh, episode. If you you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter, Protagonist Pod, Todd K. Mack, and Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Diz Minute. Our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We have great uh, conversations there with our listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. I got some back pain. I'm lying flat on my back for this record, Todd. <laughs> You've got what? I've got some back pain, so I'm lying flat on my back. Gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that stage of life where you're just going to have aches, you're going to be like, I didn't do anything. It's just just me. Just. Oh. <laughs>